We are excited today, as we said earlier, we're going to start this uh, new series on David as we're going through the Bible from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. How long is it going to take? We don't know. It's going to take a while, but we'll get there. And, you know, uh, we are excited that um, Dave Yadamari is going to come up on stage. Dave, for those of you who don't know, is one of our elders, and he's going to bring us word of God. Let's go ahead and welcome up Dave. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, So this was the title of uh, today's message, Positive Deviant. Be like, what is that? Um, Actually, when we were worshiping today, I think there's a new title uh, of this message. Um, And it's actually going to be, we're going to slay giants today. Uh, So that's what this is going to be about. I'm really excited, and you'll see what we're talking about, and then you'll see why uh, why I'm wearing this particular shirt, too. But... Um, today we're going to start the story of David. And as you folks already know, I'm sure, King David is the greatest king in Israel's history, right? God uses this humble shepherd boy, he's the youngest of eight sons, right, um, to unify this nation. And he's going to reestablish Jerusalem as its capital. But then we learn that David is much more than just a king, right? In many ways, he's the symbol of God's faithfulness to his people. But as much as God worked through David, we also learned that David was just a human being, right? He had his flaws. This, this story of David is not only one of God's faithfulness and his power and his grace for us flawed humans, but we also learned that David was this murderer, adulterer, uh, but God used him and transformed his life, and he's still seen as a great man who looked after God's own heart. And what part of David's story is the most well-known? And I'm going to assert that I think it's the story of David versus Goliath. Because I think it's known by most people in the modern world today. And in fact, we often use the term, right, David and Goliath to describe a matchup of these sports teams or companies or, or any matchup where it seems like there's this underdog competing against this seemingly invincible foe. And so I know that most of you know the story of David and Goliath, but to ensure that we're all on the same page, if you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 with me, I'm just going to run through the story of David real quickly. And I borrowed from Josh's uh, uh, storybook Bible. Um, We'll get some animation up there (laughs) too. Copyright, you know, I got to mention that, give them credit. But for um, God's people, the Israelites, you know, they have these sworn enemies the Philistines, right? We know these folks. They've ruled over the Israelites for many years, and they're at war, right? They're at war. And as this story begins, the Philistines have this rather large, burly warrior whose name is Goliath. And he's somewhere between like six foot nine and nine foot nine inches tall. He wore this 150 pounds of armor, and he's this big, imposing figure, Okay? For 40 days, this guy Goliath, with this Philistine army behind him, right, <clears throat> he taunts the Israelites, and he challenges them to send someone to fight him, like a, a mano a mano battle, okay? And the winner of this challenge, goes, he goes on to say, will force the losing army into slavery. And the Israelites were obviously very terrified of this, this man. He's, he's a giant among men. He's brash, he's arrogant, 
and he's the best warrior on the field. Now you enter David. He's on the side of the Israelites. He's this young shepherd boy who was just tending to his sheep, you know, kind of minding his own business. His father asks him to bring food to his older brothers who are serving in the Israelite army. And when David brings the food to his brothers in the battlefield, he hears Goliath taunting the Israelite army. Now David, he's this young shepherd boy. He's not even suited up with armor, right? And he volunteers to go fight Goliath. Now King Saul doubts David's ability to defeat Goliath. And he says this in 1 Samuel 17, 33. He goes, you are only a young man. And he, right, this Goliath guy, has been a warrior from his youth. So clearly he's looking at David and going, huh? Cannot be you. I mean, I don't want you to die, little boy, right? But this doesn't deter David. So King Saul agrees. And because there's really nobody else volunteering, quite frankly. And he gives David this warrior's outfit of this armor and helmet and a sword. But it doesn't quite fit David. He walks around and he's like, ah, this doesn't feel right. So instead, David takes five stones from the stream, the Bible says. And with his sling, he takes him to battle against Goliath. Now, David fiercely enters this battle with Goliath. He doesn't have a sword. He doesn't have a spear. Nothing more than his sling and this amazing faith in the Lord that the Lord will deliver Goliath into his hands. David slings the stone into Goliath's forehead, forcing Goliath to go face, face down into the ground. He ultimately kills Goliath. And with Goliath's own sword, which is almost looks as big as David in that picture, He cuts off Goliath's head and wins the battle. That's the story. And thousands of years later, we still love the underdog. We root for the underdog. And last year, I was so fortunate to have attended the Final Four tournament in Houston. And for those of you who are not familiar with sports, the Final Four tournament is college basketball's, like, tournament of the champions, right? This is a tournament that starts in March. You might have heard March Madness, and it culminates in April with the four best college basketball teams competing for the national championship. Uh, And in 2016, I was fortunate enough to attend this tournament, and I saw the Villanova Wildcats right here. The underdogs defeat the North Carolina Tar Heels at a last-second buzzer beater that was probably among the most exciting games I've ever seen in my life. And the crowd erupted as the underdog defeated the highly favored team. Or maybe you might recall the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team who beat the highly favored Russians. So amazing was this story that to this day they call that the miracle on ice. And there's actually a movie made out of it. Or how about Rocky Balboa? right? We love it so much. Sylvester Stallone was made a multimillionaire and one of the best and most well-known celebrities in Hollywood today. In fact, I own the Rocky movies. So if you want to borrow it and watch it again, come ask me afterwards. I'm happy to lend it to you. Or who remembers, you know, bringing something a little closer to home in 1982, Chaminade, that basketball team, upset top-ranked Virginia in what is now called by many as the greatest college basketball upset in the history of the NCAA. 
Or how about Gideon and his severely outnumbered 300 defeating the Midianites? What intrigues us about the underdog? Part of it, I think, is it's the unexpected. It's rare by definition, right? But I think at some basic human level, we love the upset story of the underdog who defeats the one who was supposed to win because there's something special to be learned there, something to be studied, so that maybe, just maybe, we can replicate this rare event and defy conventional wisdom. And I also think that when the underdog wins and the underdog is from God, the glory goes to God. But let me share with you some graphs. (laughs) Uh, And bear with me, okay, you folks. Uh, But this is the graphs I will use to encourage my staff. And you guys will know that I I work at a bank. And um, I've shared this with some staff uh, of mine. I also was a lecturer at, at a university and I shared this with some business school students. And so I thought this was relevant to what we're talking about this morning. And this is what I call the positive deviant graph. And you're like, what is this, right? Okay, so for those of you who've taken statistics before, right, this is what we would call like a scatter plot. And, and the horizontal axis, which is the one on the bottom here, right, might represent something like time, like a period of time, one month or one year, two years, three years, etc. And on the y-axis would be something like, you know, let's call it profits or revenue, okay? And you plot things like this, and you might say every point on this graph might represent, like, let's say, a retail store and how much time it takes before they hit, say, $3 million in profits or something like that, okay? And what you're trying to do is you, you, you use a technique in statistics, like they call it regression, where you sort of fit a line Uh, using the data to illustrate something that looks like this. Now, this line might help you predict how much profit you might make when you open a new store, right? So you say, if I I look at the line, it can tell me that "Eh, it might take about two years before we hit that, that, or three years before we really start getting to that point we want to be. And for most people, that's amazing. And they say, Wow, that heavy math and quantitative analysis, they say, you know, that's great. We can predict the future, right? And they say, like, that that slope of the line, the coefficient will tell us how we can predict. If we open this store, this is how long it'll take to hit that that particular profit level. But what I tell my, my folks is, you know what? Anybody can do that, really. In fact, computers can do it faster than the human beings. So what value do we bring at all? And so what I tell them is, instead of the fitted line, I really want you to see this. And that's what I call the positive deviant. I said, what were the circumstances that allowed that to occur where normally a store would have probably taken three, four years to hit where we want, but somehow it only took that store three years to hit $4 million. Identifying that positive deviant is to me what the story of David is all about. Rather than spend time in fitting the line and finding out what's, you know, what is the regression coefficients there, let's find out what were the circumstances that allowed for that thing, unique occurrence to happen. How did this small in stature shepherd boy, without armor, without a spear, without warrior training, kill the best warrior on the battlefield at all? 
You see, I look at it as if you're a military general or a king, rather than spending your time figuring out how to improve the probability of success based on saying, what kind of metal should we make the swords out of or the spears out of? Or what type of um, helmets or shields or armor will give us the best probability for success? Instead, you spend your time in figuring out how does the underdog win the battle? That's when you're going to get true insight. You're looking for the positive deviant. Do you want everyday knowledge of man or do you want true insight? And I choose true insight. And the story of David and Goliath, I believe, provides us this insight about how to defeat the giants in our life. What are the giants in your life today? Perhaps it might be a fear of public speaking. It might be a fear of stepping into a leadership role at your church or maybe even your family. It might be a sin or a past behavior you're not proud of and you're having a hard time getting past it to receive God's forgiveness and grace. Maybe the giant in your life is you've been in a down cycle right now and you have this negative situation that surrounds you and you're having a hard time climbing out. Maybe in a situation you're just like, man, this is insurmountable. It, it, there's, there's, there's like a no-win situation. Is that your giant in your life today? And whatever those giants are, using the Bible in 1 Samuel 17, we're gonna unpack what I believe through David and Goliath, we can find out how to slay your giants today. And it's really gonna come down to four things. And the first thing is be values-driven. See, this means to let your values embolden you to action. When you face giants in your life, the first question I believe we must all ask ourselves is, is this from God? In other words, are the circumstances that are causing this particular giant to exist rooted in the principles of God or something that is just of this world? And when you conclude that the root cause of the situation is not from God, then be bold in your faith that God is stronger than anything in this world. He who lives in us is stronger than he who lives in this world. And God will deliver victory over whatever that stronghold might be, that giant in your life. See, in 1 Samuel 17, 26, we learn that the Israel army, they're shrinking in fear every time this Goliath starts taunting them. But David is emboldened by Goliath's taunts. In 1 Samuel 17, 26, we learn that he says this, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And in these 15 words, what David, I think, is showing to us is his values are so strong. His fear and respect for the Lord emboldens him to action to the point that he's going to risk his life for the Lord. Because the operative words are in verse 26, defy the armies of the living God. Who is defying the armies of the living God? And that's what riles David up. And he's going to challenge for Goliath for his defiance. See, when you read about David, he's not a guy who's picking fights with anybody. Right? He's picking, he's picking a fight for something that is, is deeply rooted in a value of his. That is, you defy God, 
I got to step up. And in this same way, if the giants in your life are opposing God's will, then you be emboldened to action. And that's what it means to be values-driven. If your giant is public speaking, then know that God values you and values your thoughts. And he created you to interact with the world, not to separate from it. So if this fear of public speaking is likely not from God, and let that knowledge and and value embolden you to overcoming your fear of public speaking. If your giant is fear of stepping into a leadership role at church, your job, your family, wherever it might be, God, know that God created you with multiple talents and gifts. And oftentimes, the best way to share God's gifts with others is you step into a leadership role to share it with others. And that's a high value for God. And let that knowledge and value embolden you to step into a leadership role when you're called upon. Maybe your giant is ashamed for some past behavior. And know that none of us is perfect. And that shame for our past does not come from God, rather just the opposite, right? And that redemption and new beginnings is the value we find in Christ. And let that knowledge and value embolden you to receiving God's forgiveness and grace. If your giant is maybe you're kind of feeling overwhelmed, maybe even down and, and depressed, that there's insurmountable odds against you, know that God is a God of hope and a God for a bright future. And he wants that for what's best for each and every one of us and let that embolden you so that you can step out. The bottom line is when you see something that's not right and is not from God, we gotta take action. When I thought about this, the, the, the example that came to my mind was Martin Luther King Jr. You think about this, this man and the, the civil rights movement was something where it was insurmountable odds. Seemingly, it was just, it, everything was against what was right. And yet, he, he gave his life ultimately, but he stood up for what was right and it emboldened him to action and he ignited the civil rights movement. But let's not forget one thing. What was in front of Martin Luther King Jr.? He was Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. He was values-driven, God-driven. I talked about the story uh, as well where there was a time in my life where I was choosing between different jobs. And there was one job in particular that was going to pay me more that was more in line with sort of my entrepreneurial bent. It was a turnaround opportunity. But then my wife, Tammy, and I, we prayed about it. And, you know, Tam said, you know, Dave, but this other role that is maybe less demanding might be the right thing to do because at that time, our son Josh was two years old. And she said, maybe that will give you time to really truly prioritize family. You see, I always preach God first, family second, and and work third. But here was an opportunity where there was a value I had to choose that emboldened me to action. And so I did it. And I will tell you that it's been such a blessing. And there are many, many stories that come out just like that. But the first step is, as we learn from David, and what David did, and what drove him to me when I interpret the passage, is 
It was God's values that drove his decision to step out with boldness to fight Goliath. And the second thing is we look for evidence of God's blessing in our lives. And isn't this true that sometimes we wonder, what's your role in life, in church, in our job? But if you want to know how God, if you want to know how God uniquely made you, one starting point is to simply identify God's blessings in your own life. You ask yourself, where has God shown up in my life? And oftentimes where God is blessed is for a greater purpose. Maybe you're good at math. How can you use that to advance the kingdom of God on earth? If you're good at judo, or with good with computers, or you have this amazing sense of humor, can, can those insights about how God has blessed you use, be used for God? David was a shepherd. <clears throat> he watched sheep, and he made sure that sheep didn't get stolen, lost, or eaten by predators. And so when we look in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37, it says this, right? So, so Saul had doubted David, that he could defeat Goliath. And David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. See, David was blessed with the strength and the skill to kill lion and the bear. And he, he, with these attributes saying, you know, God did this for me in that situation. He's gonna do it for me in this situation against Goliath. He's gonna show me again and again that I can slay the giant. And in the same way, where has God showed up in your life? Where has God blessed you? And can that embolden you and give you the courage to slay the giants in your own life? I think so. We remember the story of Esther in the book of Esther. The Jewish woman who became queen of Persia and how God will use her and this blessing to save her people from annihilation. It's the same thing. When you look at the skills that God has given you, I think we're supposed to look at these as gifts. And how might he use these gifts to embolden you to action today? You might recall that um, another personal example, I was spending time with Joshua when he was still a toddler. And I was taking him to all these children's activity centers, right? And we participated in all these fun parachute games and all this stuff. And it was at that time, our church was also looking for some leadership in uh, a transition in leadership for the, the children's ministry. And so at that time, I thought, you know what? This is such a blessing that I get to learn from all of these activities that Joshua was participating in that I brought those same things here to the children's ministry. We created the CDs. We did the parachute. <laughs> we bought a parachute. We did all these games, and it was a blast. And it was at that also same time period, we did the Christmas lights trolley, right? Where we took people around to see the Christmas lights in Honolulu. 
and we had the summer blast. So we had the bounce houses in the front, we had the, the water slides, and we had a lot of fun. And we look back on that with such great fondness. But I think all of that came from just looking at the blessings that God gave us and said, how can we pay it forward? How can we pay it forward? And we now, to this day, we look very fondly, I think, back in those times and those days. So I say to you, maybe there's a ministry and there's something right here at KCF today that you never thought of joining before. But maybe there's something there. That just remember my example that, you know, I had no background in teaching children. (laughs) But I just jumped right in and said, where did God bless me? And where is he showing me some good stuff that's going on? And how could I share that to, to advance God's kingdom in some way? And although I wasn't able to attend that family fun night at Lanakila this last time that, Mark, uh, that Matt ta- Max just talked about, I think about Jeanette Matsuda, Matsuera. And I remember Jeanette being like, oh man, you know, like, can I, can I lead? And she steps forward and leads the children's ministry and what a blessing it has been for her to lead that ministry and starting off with that family fun night. And I've heard so many people come up to me and say like, it was awesome. That was so awesome. Now the third thing is, we learn from David and Goliath, is just go as you're already equipped. We've spoken about the importance of being value-driven, being emboldened to action by the evidence of what God has blessed us with, but sometimes we may still lack some confidence because we think we don't have the tools necessary. We recall this with Gideon, right? when he wasn't confident in his ability to lead the Israelites into victory. We also saw this with Moses, who lacked the confidence in his ability to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And time and time again, we learn that God is more than enough. And to prove his point, and that is that all we need is God, is God just often tells us, hey, you're already equipped to go out and slay the giant. So when you look back into 1 Samuel 17, verse 38 to 40, right? David, he tries on the armor that Saul gives him, I think out of respect to Saul, but he tells Saul at the end, I cannot go out in these, right, the armor stuff, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in hand, chose five smooth stones from, his, from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his, and approached the Philistine. You see from this, what was amazing about this is when David goes to battle with Goliath, everything he had, except for the five stones he got from the stream, he already brought with him. He already had the sling. We can be lured sometimes, I think. This is a reminder. We can always be lured where someone says, hey, you know what? Maybe you're not ready yet. Maybe you need a little bit more training or you're afraid to pray for someone in public and someone says, yeah, yeah it may, maybe you gotta learn how to pray better in public. Or, or you don't wanna share about the Bible because they're like, you know, you don't really know the Bible that well. You gotta go read the Bible more. Nothing further can be from the truth. God's saying, hey, you're already equipped to go out and slay the giants. You're already equipped to go out and share with people about the Bible. You're already equipped to share with people and pray for them in public. 
These are all lies. I'll tell you this story. I think I mentioned this before. When I was, um, uh, I met a friend in business school. And I don't know what, we were, we were just talking about stuff. And I just sort of felt compelled to share with him uh, my story of how I came to Christ. And so, you know, this is a secular setting, right? It's business school. I, I didn't know how I was going to be treated. But I just, I shared with them. I just said, hey, Renee, you know, here's, here's kind of the story. Here's how I came. And he's like, oh, that's interesting, right? And, and then we just kind of left it at that. And I felt a little bit nervous, uh, if, in fact, a little bit embarrassed because I didn't know, like, what he was going to say. Um, and it wasn't until a little over 10 years later, I was at a Safeway, and I see my friend from business school, and I'm like, hey, how's it going, right? And he's, he lives in California, and I was here in Hawaii. And no less, I was in Maui <laughs> at the time. And I find out, he goes, Dave, I got to tell you. He goes, he goes, I came to know the Lord. I'm like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you remember the time you shared with me on how you came to know Christ? He goes, well, that really impacted me. And he goes, it took a little while, but now me and my whole family, we love Christ and we love the Lord and we go to church every Sunday. He goes, you know, I think it started when we had that conversation, you know, many, many years ago. And I was like, whoa, whoa. You never know, but you're already equipped. God's already equipped you, just like David, right? You might feel like you need all this armor and you need all this stuff and this gear to go to battle, but I think oftentimes God's like, you got this, and I got this with you. Another example I'll tell you, remember last summer, around June, I was on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, right? I walked 127 miles uh, to uh, Santiago de Compostela. And what I remember about this experience that's related to this point is that I packed a lot of stuff. <laughs> I packed a ton of stuff to go on this trek. In fact, one of the things I packed, you might recall, was a solar panel that would charge my cell phone battery. <laughs> Did I use it? Not once. Not once. All you need when you go on the Camino de Santiago, really, okay? I'm true. Good pair of shoes. Some good pair of socks, oh, good walking sticks, two shorts, two shirts, two underwear, and camp suds, and you're good, okay? I had five times as much stuff in my stuff, okay? But the point is, I was already equipped. All I needed was the basics, and God showed up on the Camino, and it was a blessing. And it was, it was life-changing for me in many ways. So we got to remember that. And I got to be reminded of this all the time is like, I don't need all this stuff. I don't need to go Amazon everything and REI everything, you know? I got it. God gave me enough. In fact, that does remind me something. I was, Tammy might tell you this too. I remember I was buying stuff up until the last two days, I think, before I was going to the Camino. And then I felt like, literally, I felt like God told me, Dave, not already. I got this, Okay. And it was so true, and it became so evident to me when I started walking on the Camino. Now, the fourth thing I think we can learn from David and Goliath is after all of this, okay, don't expect a one-shot victory. Expect a battle, okay? Because the other insight we learn from David, the positive deviant in, in, in this story, right, is that timing belongs to the Lord. 
and the Lord alone. And when we're called to action or to the spiritual battle, as we will, only the Lord knows how long the battle will be. So we shouldn't always expect a one-shot victory because David didn't, right? Because although David defeated Goliath with one shot, I know he didn't expect the battle to end with one shot. Why? Because how many stones did David pick up? Five. How many did it take for him to defeat Goliath? One. What happened to the other four stones? But he was prepared just in case maybe he missed. Maybe Goliath wouldn't have fallen down. David was ready. He had five stones. So when you look in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 40, you'll see that he took five smooth stones, meaning I interpreted that when I read this, is he thought maybe this could be a long battle. And in the same way, whatever the giants in your life might be, right, it might be a battle. It might not be the one-shot victory. God sometimes does it. He delivers the one-shot victory. But sometimes it might not be. And I think what we, <clears throat> what we learn from this story of David and Goliath is we just got to be ready and prepare for the long haul. <clears throat> that maybe, just maybe, it's the journey that we're called to be on, not the one-shot victory. So God answers our prayer. He does. He will deliver us sometimes in the one-shot victory. Sometimes it's a journey, as we talk about, and it's okay. <clears throat> it's all in God's timing. And the story of David and Goliath is a story to me, again, I, I started with, it's about the positive deviant, and it is, but I really think, actually, it's about, we're going to slay giants starting today. We're going to slay giants. What are the giants in your life? And let's start in boldness, and we're going to slay that giant today. We learn about the underdogs, and maybe you feel like you're the underdog this morning, and wherever you are today. But know that there are these four things I think we can learn from David and Goliath. One, be values-driven. When you see things where you are in your workplace, at your home, just in the world, and you say, that's not of God. That is not of God. Let it embolden you to action. Because maybe you were called for just this time as this. Number two is look for the evidence of God's blessing in your life, right? So you can find our role and our purpose of what God wants to do in this situation. And oftentimes what he's blessed us with can point to that role. The third thing is we're already equipped. We don't need to feel like we gotta go get all this stuff until we're ready to step out. But be confident that God's already equipped you to go slay that giant. And the fourth thing is, it might be a journey. It might not be that one-shot victory. Or it might. That would be the bonus, right? But be prepared. Take five stones, not just one, right? So would you stand with me as we, we're gonna close in prayer. <clears throat> I really want to pray this morning that one, we would identify the giants in our life and two, that this would be the day that God would embolden you to slay those giants. All right? 
Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much. We truly thank you so much for David and Goliath. And we thank you for the underdog. We thank you that you show us time and time again that sometimes things don't always work out as all the statistics may show and all the probabilities. But there's positive deviance. And we want to stand firmly that we want to be that positive deviant God that is led by you. God, and I pray now for all the giants that are in, the, in, in this room today, whatever that giant may be in your life, right now, you just say to God, God, I will slay that giant for you. I'm going to be emboldened to action because that giant is not from you, God. And greater is you who lives in me than is of, that, of this world. I'm going to slay that giant. God, you've equipped me. You've blessed me, God. You've called me, God. And I'm going to step out in faith, in action, and in boldness to slay that giant with you. And if it's not a one-shot victory, God, it's okay. I'm in for the long haul. I'm in for the journey. I receive that now, God. For everyone here, let us all giant slayers this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.